man, this guy, literally, there was no hesitation, man. He stood up, jumped out of his seat, right up next to me, and I was, you know, I stopped and looked. And, and shortly after he did, I looked to my right, and my 11-year-old stood up and gave his life to Jesus. Amen. Wow. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Well, hello, One Cry family. This is Byron Paulus. So blessed again today to be with you. And as you know, we kind of shifted our podcast approach uh, following the uh, stirrings, uh, and maybe it's much more than stirrings, the beginnings of a movement, and I pray a significant movement across our nation. And so I am so blessed during these uh, weeks to be able to uh, talk to different people that I have the highest respect for as it relates to the nature and character and, and really the ways of God in revival. And just have conversations with them that I think you as a pastor or leader could benefit greatly from as you are making space for God to move wherever you are. And Asbury was, as you know, an amazing moment in the, the continued work of God. Uh, and uh, I mean, the numbers are still coming in as to the impact that it has had. Uh, literally, uh, is it one billion TikTok views or some astronomical number. Uh, and so it's astonishing. And I, I've always, um, uh, myself personally and others would say, Byron, I'll know it's revival when it's not just large gatherings, no matter how spontaneous or sudden they may appear, but I'll know it's real revival when I hear real stories of people's lives who are changed. And so I thought what we could do today in the podcast, I think you'll love this. I have a dear friend, Jeremy Story from Austin, Texas, the founder, uh, president of Campus Renewal. And uh, actually, Jeremy, I, I mentioned this when I met you there in Asbury, but the name One Cry came from your ministry in New York City, and I just asked if we could borrow it. So number one, let me begin by saying thank you uh, for uh, letting us uh, come alongside and use this incredible name because that's all of our hearts. And so your founder and president of Campus Renewal and every student sent, is that the... Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. That is, you, can that's also thank, you can also thank Times Square Church because they were uh, hosting all those One Cry gatherings and were intimately involved in kind of creating the name and all that sort of thing as well as we were building a citywide prayer movement across the city where I was, and they were partnering with us to do that. So they were a part of that as well. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Times Square Church. But hey, uh, we ran into each other there at Asbury on the night of the Collegiate Day of Prayer. And uh, I just, you know, we're talking and you said that you had been there several days and I loved what I heard you say you were doing. You were, you were getting in on the movement of God, but you were one by one. Um, actually probably videoing students and some administrative people there uh, tied to the university guests and asking them really what we want to talk about today. What is it God did in your life? So, hey, I want to hear some stories because revival spreads, right, on the wings of testimonies. And uh, yeah, just reflect back. What are some stories of impact on people's lives? Well, I think sometimes the best place to start is with ourselves. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And Maybe so, all the time. right. I mean, I like that because as ministers, we don't like that. We don't want to start yeah, with other people. Right. Uh, mm. But uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's so important right. that we start with ourselves. 
and just be real. Uh, I can't expect from other people we don't see happen. And so we always praying for our own families and stuff and, and myself. So for me, I went to Asbury and I, the other part of my, my story is I brought my family with me. Uh, so I usually get on a plane or fly, but I decided, Hey, uh, ask my wife, would you like to go? And can we take the kids? And so we decided to, we got in the car and took our kids, uh, five of them. We have seven kids, but five of our kids, the others, four of our kids actually went with us because the other three are in college right now, but four of them went with us to Asbury. We drove uh, all the way there. So one of the nights, one of the first nights we were there, uh, in, in Hughes auditorium and, uh, I was standing next to on one side, a young man who smelled strongly of smoke. He mm. looked, he looked a little disheveled. He didn't look like he was prepared to be there. He wasn't expecting, I think, in a lot of ways to be there. Uh, and then on the other side, I had my 11 year old. Mm. And of course, the mother of kids and wife were further down. And so uh, down the road. So I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I don't know how they do things at Asbury. You know, I'm just amazed by the tremendous number of people, the spirit of the Lord in the room. And I'm saying, Lord, you know, bless my family as well as everybody else that we came here to bless, bless and bring salvation to this room and all of these sorts of things. And just about that time, you know, there'd been just worship and people giving scripture testimony. Some speakers stood up and said, hey, I just feel like we need to have everybody who wants to know Jesus come to know Jesus, you know, right now, anybody who wants to just stand up. Right. And I had already asked this guy next to me, you know, why was he there? And he said, I don't know, man, I'm just here to kind of find God. I need, I need to find God. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, you know, and, and uh, but as soon as that, as soon as the person from the front said, anybody who wants to know Jesus, stand up, man, this guy, literally, there was no hesitation, man. He, he stood up, jumped out of his seat right up next to me. And I was, you know, I stopped and looked and, and shortly after he did, I looked to my right and my 11 year old stood up and gave his life to Jesus. Hey, man. And, wow. And, you know, you have one kid, you know, two different people, different ages and everything, but um, mm. whom God was bringing salvation and not only my own family, mm. but as I prayed for the, the audience and as everybody else was praying too, he was also bringing salvation outside my family. And I think that's a good picture for revival and just personal testimony as, as leaders. And, and we have to live up to the calling that we've received in mm. our own lives. And so we want to see our own families blessed as we're also praying for revival in other people's families and lives. Wow. And no 15 verses of just as I am and a pressured invitation, just God speaking. And yeah, it's pretty much, it was, it was fun. I didn't know they were going to do it. There was not, there was no program. No, it was simply the guy at the front said, Hey, I feel like people want to know Jesus in the audience. If you do stand up and when they, and the reason they did that is because they wanted to have people connect with them. Yeah. And so when they did, yeah, this guy was one of the first people that stood up and then, I think in part, maybe inspired my son to be bold as well. So, well, you know, what's cool about that, Jeremy, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, maybe uh, some of them were uh, in the 70s and the Jesus movement impacted, but I'm just, what's what's your 11 year old's name? What's his first name? Just, uh, Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is someday, maybe 50 years from now saying the movement of God in 2023 is when I came to Christ and will be a voice, you know, uh, to, uh, yeah, promote what God's doing then, Lord willing. Well, hey, uh, that is so cool. And one cry, the whole, the cover of the book is a big circle with a chalk, you know, at beginning me. So thanks for doing that. So, uh, yeah, who, who else did you connect with and what did you sense God was doing in their lives? The other uh, thing I was doing there is I was interviewing 
you know, what, what you heard a lot on the news was what was going on in Hughes Auditorium and outside it with the lines and all these sorts of things, uh, which is very much a big part of the story. But uh, simultaneously, what uh, what I was there to, to find out is obviously we know behind when, when God's spirit shows up somewhere in a way that we call revival, where it's just an overwhelming manifest, his overwhelming manifest presence. Um, mm -hmm. There's usually a backstory, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. what we call a surprise. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It, it is a surprise in the sense that we weren't sort of planning it. But on the other hand, there are things we can do that cultivate the presence of the Lord. Right. Yeah. We don't, sometimes we're afraid to talk about this as believers, or we think that this isn't true, but it is. There are things we can do in our lives and our prayers and our actions that cultivate the presence of the Lord in a place. And, and of course, one of those is seeking the Lord in prayer. Fasting is another. Purity is another. Humility is another. Well, I wanted to know uh, who had been praying and seeking the Lord in advance of his visitation to that level at Asbury. And so I was asking different students and talking to different people, and I ended up interviewing about five or six students, actually more than that, but five or six who were involved as leaders across the campus who've been praying for about six years. Wow. Uh, and there was actually multiple generations, like the person that started the prayer time had now graduated and become a campus minister or a pastor in the area. And then I also went all the way to interview like a current freshman who had just sort of joined it right before the revival mm. uh, or the Lord showed up. And mm. so, in uh, his manifest presence in the revival in, in Asbury. And so uh, I got to interview various students at various parts in their college career and beyond who had been a part of this prayer group. Mm. And what they said, uh, one of them, a guy who started this prayer group is a guy named Zeke. And Zeke is now a pastor in the area of Asbury. But he started, I believe, as a freshman. He was in Hughes Chapel, you, you know, six, seven years ago. And in the middle of one of the services, he just felt compelled by the Lord to gather other leaders on campus to begin to pray. And he didn't know how to do that. He's just, a, I think he was a freshman at the time or something around those lines. Or, and he... Um, then called a friend of his who was a campus minister, um, whose name is James. And uh, James, uh, he called him up and he said, James, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to get all my friends, other leaders on campus together to pray every week. Um, how do we do that? And, and told him the vision. And James Ballard basically texted him back because I think they were texting, not calling. And James said that he texted him back when I interviewed him. He said, I texted him back with, with a couple of words and it was, uh, when do we start? <laughs> That's and great. so, and Zeke said the same thing. He remembers that text. And so Zeke uh, began to meet at James's building with a variety of students to pray. They'd meet every week to pray. And, uh, and that continued through multiple generations of students. I also interviewed a, a gal named L, L, sorry, L was her name. Uh, I was about to say her last name, but we're trying to stay with just the first names. L um, is now a graduate student there at Asbury but uh, started when she was an undergraduate and she began praying with these other student leaders. And uh, then I interviewed a variety of them, but they basically said, one of the things that was true across all of them is they said they, they didn't understand why the world had showed up at Asbury. <laughs> <laughs> they said, we were praying. Uh, and so were many people in our community for years praying that God would change Asbury. And for these students, they were praying even more personal. It was like, can you change Sue and Bob and my friends, right? The people, these are all the different student leaders at Asbury from variety, from athletics, from academics, from different things. And they're praying for all of their friends in all these different spheres of Asbury to come to know Jesus or to know him more deeply or to repent. 
Mm. And they were asking the Lord for revival and awakening among the student body from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, they're in the chapel, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, and people start lingering. And then more people come and more people come. And next thing you know, a chapel service turns into this around the clock thing. But it started with Asbury students repenting and turning to the Lord. Mm. And humility. And yeah. these students whom I interviewed, they were saying, we were seeing this through the lens of answered prayer. We're watching the people that we prayed for show up at all at one time, you know, many of them, and then their friends, people they didn't even pray for, but subsequent ones that, 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 so they're seeing people they've been praying for, for a while, and they're seeing fruition come with professors and students and, and they're watching it for them. It's a personal thing. And they're going, wow, this is amazing. And then it starts happening all at one time. The Lord starts moving all at one time on all these people. And then from there, of course, then the world starts showing up, you know, about a week later. Um, and they find themselves hosting, at the point I'm interviewing them, literally the entire United States and people across the world. And they kept saying to me in the interviews, why are they here? Why do they care about our little school? <laughs> you know, they're excited they were here, but they didn't have a concept. They weren't like, proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they weren't like, wow, we're glad, you know, they yeah. just had this humble spirit that was was saying, we are so glad they're here. We have no idea why they care about what happened at Asbury, right? Because wow. it's important to them as students, but they're not sure why someone in India also thinks that Asbury is important. Right. Yeah. And so, well, was- and, you know, that's that's so cool to hear you share that. And uh, and the truth of the matter is they weren't there to little Asbury. They were there to see the big God that was at little exactly. Asbury, you know, and to get a sense of that. But I want to go back because you've been a part of the National Prayer Committee for years and very um, uh, much in the leadership role and, and the whole prayer movements. And, you know, I, I and I'm, you know, we connect at that periodic times. But over the last several years, you just kept hearing uh, the late Dave Butts, who was chairman, you know, say over and over again, I've never known of so many prayer movements than there are right now. So what you're saying there on the campus, it's the same thing. It started five, six years ago, not just, even though it was sudden and supernatural and spontaneous in God's eyes, uh, it started when a movement of prayer began. And uh, I, I just so... Uh, I guess I would want our listeners to realize don't discount what God is doing behind the scenes as um, your people are praying and they're seeking the face of God for a movement of his spirit. Um, He's hearing those prayers. He's gathering them and he'll tip that bowl over like he did at Asbury. Uh, Yes, And and these students just had a tremendous filling of God's spirit uh, uh, wisdom beyond their years, you know, they're still students, they're still young, but they're basically saying, you know, we saw, we've seen God move in his manifest presence in ways beyond our wildest imaginations of our prayers. You know, they were praying for amazing things that seemed outlandish to them that only God could do. And then did even more than what they were asking. And to hear the wisdom that the Lord had given them. And as they'd gone through this experience of God's manifest presence and understanding his presence, you know, from them, it was just a, a daily, a week. They, some of them said, for example, I think Zeke and, and L and others said, you know, there were times where they didn't feel like praying. You know, there were even times where they didn't pray as much because they were uh, thinking, well, maybe some nothing's, you know, we, you know, no one cares, you know, or whatever. Uh, but they went through seasons of ups and downs, but they were persistent. All of them kind of talked about that. The ones that had been involved in it more often for a longer period of time. 
that they were persistent over time in the midst of those ups and downs. And they wanted me to understand, they, uh, in particular, Zeke mentioned this, that that they weren't to be seen as sort of a hero or a central sort of person, that God was a central person, uh, and that they had simply followed him. And even in their own weakness, God came. And it wasn't because of their superiority that God mm-hmm. came. Okay, I want I want you to pray here, Jeremy, as we close this podcast. Then I, and then uh, on our next podcast with you, I'd like uh, two things maybe. One is uh, you were on a call with some collegiate ministry leaders that I got to sit on uh, here about a week or so ago. And uh, the question that was asked to those of you that were uh, part of the Collegiate Day of Prayer leadership team is, what was notable? Uh, if you remember that, what's notable about the movement that's taking place right now? And I was amazed at some of the response of leaders and shelf and others. And then, uh, and maybe uh, what is it you're seeing God continue to do right now, um, two weeks after the, or three weeks after the formal uh, closing and maybe the bigger beginning of the spreading of what God is doing at Asbury. So, but would you pray in the context uh, just for pastors out there and ministry leaders who are tuning in and, uh, Uh, to encourage them in the whole element of prayer and that uh, God would just, yeah, enable them to be mobilizers of prayer in their context. Would you do that for us, man? Yeah, sure. God, we just lean into you, Father. You call us to persistent prayer like a widow that continues to approach a judge over and over again. And so we ask you to give us courage and strength, to give us wisdom and revelation and inspiration. We need you to even seek you. And so Lord, we ask you, Father God, for the filling of your spirit as leaders to be examples to others, to lead in seeking you daily in the ups and downs of humanity, Father. Even you experience the ups and downs of humanity. And Lord, we ask you for that kind of persistent spirit that you spoke about, Father, to continually seek your face in the midst of the trials and the successes of life and ministry and family and all of those things, Father. We just pray for your Spirit's filling that would give us courage and strength to persist in the midst of opposition and tribulation, Father. God, give us the ability to bring honor to you as we seek you. And Lord, I pray for all those who are seeking you and have been for so long, that you give them fresh revelation from you of your Spirit, even today, Father, a word from you that continues to allow them to press in because we know that one word from you takes us for millions of years. So we ask you for that spiritual rema word from you today for each of these leaders across the country. In the name of Jesus and by his power, amen. Amen, amen. And uh, I just want to say to all of our listeners too, Jeremy, that uh, what it takes to bring revivals, what it takes to keep revival, what it takes to have revivals, what it takes to accelerate revival. So prayer's not finished. It's it's critical as God begins to expand the work that he's begun, as are the other elements that we're going to talk about in our next podcast, that some of the notable things that God used, that we believe God used uh, to do his work in our generation. So, and, and by the way, too, everybody, uh, Bill Elif has now done, I think, 15 blogs subsequent to uh, the movement, just sharing his heart and insights and 
there are unbelievable number of people engaging with those blogs, and he's just one of them, but a, a real key shepherd, I think, in this movement. So, man, pastor, leader, whoever you are, if you have questions, people are asking you questions, a great chance that he is answering that. And I think you can go to onecry.com and uh, not now in the next few days and actually get a download of all of those blogs. So thank you for joining us. Hey, see you in the next podcast. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us on our One Cry podcast. And if you want more, uh, we can point you to a very easy site to get more. That's onecry.com. Uh, there are all kinds of resources there. There's a place where you can give and contribute to the cause of revival and spiritual awakening. Also, right on the front page of onecry.com are some pathways to to just hit a button that will take you to all kinds of resources for your personal, your church, or a national, a journey into national revival and spiritual awakening. Just a lot of very helpful tools. So uh, check it out at onecry.com.